is from 2 Peter chapter 1, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 2, but 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 25. Uh, you must already have it on page 1888 of the large print or 848 of the small print. It's headed, Living Godly Lives in a Pagan Society. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and go glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves... Slaves in reverence, fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those that are, who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning all. Good to see you. It's, uh, as you might be, be aware, Stephen and Lorna and the family are away because it's um, Stephen's parents' 60th wedding anniversary. Can you imagine it? 60 years? Isn't that just wonderful? What an example. Wow. 60 years. And Stephen was telling me that they, they counted up 
with all the children and the grandparents and things, there's 230 years of marriage in the lineage. Uh, uh, Isn't that just amazing? I'll pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn to a rather difficult passage of the Bible in a way, we ask that you uh, speak to us through your spirit and apply it to our own specific needs. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was listening to a discussion on the radio about the difficulties of being a non-drinker in Australia. The interviewee was talking about the pressures there are to be a drinker. She started binge drinking at age 13. She continued into her 30s and after 23 years decided to stop. And she said these were some of the things that came out when she stopped drinking. People would say to her, you're letting the team down. You are judging the rest of us. And she told the story that a friend came to her and said, well, seeing that you're not drinking anymore, you can't come to my birthday party. You're an embarrassment. She must have felt like an alien, a round peg in a square hole. But you see, that's we as Christians. We are round pegs in square holes in lots of ways. And Peter, writing to a new bunch of Christians, tells them that they are actually aliens or exiles. As he says to us in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles or aliens to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. We learnt last week that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation belonging to God and therefore we are to live differently to the world. And it's a little bit like that in our homes, is it not? God says to us here from the scriptures, you are my people, this is how you live. And what have we said to our children as parents? As long as you live in this house, you will do as I say. Or... I will not have that language in this house. You live here, you do not speak like that. And so it's the same for us as Christians. The passage is a strange passage for us living in this world because none of us are slaves. But there are things that we can draw out of it. First of all, in verse 11, he says this. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against the soul. First of all, we are told to abstain from sinful desires which wage against the soul. In other words, this is a reference to immorality, which in verse 12 we are told could ruin our reputation with non-Christians. Hard as it may be, We are to flee from people or situations which would tempt us and ruin our chances of talking to people about Jesus. 
This story that I'll now tell you happened to me when I was in my 50s. How old I was is actually important because it shows how ridiculous it actually was. I went to, was decided to get a haircut. I went up to the hairdressers, the local hairdressers where I've gone, had gone for a long time. Unbeknownst to me, it had been sold and was under new management. So I went in and uh, a young lady, probably nearly 30, was uh, the hairdresser. She was dressed in a pair of pants that she must have been poured into and a top that she was poured out of. There was quite a deal to see. So she started to cut my hair and then she started to make odd comments to me. And I thought, is she coming on to me? And I thought, David, you are a man in your 50s. Don't be so stupid. That couldn't possibly happen. And so I just continued my general conversation and left and went away and I thought, well, David, you're just mad. So six weeks later, in those days, I used to have to go every six weeks, I went back to the same hairdresser, same girl there, same tight pants but not as loose a top. But this time, the comments were direct. There was no mistaking what she wanted. I never went back again. We need to flee from temptation. You know, I was in my 50s. And this young lady, I thought, goodness me. If that can happen to me, how does it happen to others? So, my friends, as the Bible here says to us, abstain from sinful desires, flee from them, be like Joseph who ran away from Potiphar's wife. We must not, if we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, we need to be fair dinkum about it and not place ourselves in such places. Secondly, we learn from this passage that Christians are people of two places. In verse 12, he says to us, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We are reminded here, and it's reinforced for us in verse 13, that we live under the responsibility of others. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong. We are reminded here that we are to live as God's people and submit to the rulers. Now, this must have really surprised Peter's readers because Nero was the emperor. And as we know, Nero was cruel, unjust, petty, and maybe even mad. And yet, we are told to submit. I don't think the passage is saying to us 
that we can't protest. We have every right to protest against what we know is against the will of God. We may oppose abortion on demand or, the le or legalisation of certain drugs. And we, but we need to go about it in a way which, as verse 17 says this, show proper respect to everyone. We can stand against same-sex marriage, but we need to actually be people who obey the law, respect the law, but speak up. And we might have to become quite clever about how we do it. A man and his wife invited their three adult children to dinner. They all sat down to dinner and then the three children got out their phone. Well, dinner was on. The father got up, went to another room and came back with his typewriter <laughs> and said, Oh, I must have been distracted. We need to be uh, clever at times if we are going to stand against things. But stand we can if we think it is contrary to God's word. Well, in verses 18 onwards, we are told to slaves in, rev to, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. None of us are slaves, but the idea of the continuing on of how to live for God is set out for us in verses 18 to 23. And it speaks to us of suffering in unjust situations. And I think if we all reflect upon our lives, we can look at that. Each one of us may have been unjust, unjust have suffered unjustly. We may have been blamed for something we didn't do. We may have been played for a fool by somebody else. Even someone in our own family. We may have been lied to. We may have been wrongly dismissed from employment. Or someone not nearly as good as us preferred in a situation. But how do we respond to such things? Peter po points out to us that we need to have an eternal perspective to it. If you look at verse 20, it says this, But how is it to, uh, to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer doing, for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. And in verse 19, it says... If someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. In other words, we need to take God into our circumstances. This is a long-term eternal perspective in regards to the suffering that we may go through. And this, strangely enough, is why God has called us to be his people. It's an odd thing, but if you look at verse 21, he says this, to this you were called. Now, how different is that to the world? 
We try today to eliminate anything that will cause people stress. You know, children don't do exams. Oh, it might put them under stress. We find all sorts of ways to get away from it all. But the Bible tells us that we will suffer and that's actually what we are called to do as followers of the Lord Jesus. It's quite remarkable. But God uses To this you were called. Now the problem of suffering is a huge issue, which I can't cover this morning. But one of the things is, for us to be reminded of, is that God had called us to it. It is part of God's will that living in an evil, broken world, we will have some suffering. Things will be hard. And that's one of the most important things for us in regards to being patient and enduring. If we have had injustice for us to persevere, this passage is not saying to us that justice doesn't matter, but rather it says to us that God is the final judge and in his good time he will settle accounts justly. We are reminded in verse 9 that we are God's people, that a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and It's in our suffering that we may have the opportunity to share our faith. Some of us are not good at sharing our faith. It doesn't come naturally to us. We don't have the quick repartee or we can't think of what to say and we go away and we say, oh, I should have said, or oh, God, I missed that opportunity. But I take comfort from this passage Because this is a doing passage. It's not about talking about Jesus. It's about actually living it out. You know, people might see us struggling with a teenage child or an ailing parent or a horrible boss and say, how do you do it? Why do you put up with it? Why don't you just leave? And we can reply. By the grace of God, you'll use your own words, with God's help. Because it's Christian. However, you'll find the words. But that's what the passage is on about here. It's saying this is how you live And if you live that way, you might get the opportunity to speak up. We are, and we need to bear this in mind, people with enormous privileges. They are actually beyond our comprehension. But living as a follower of Jesus may cause antagonism in our culture. 
Now, if we tell the truth, if we control our temper, if we are compassionate and kind, they may actually be quite contrary to the way other people go on and it may cause friction in the circumstances. We are really a problem to society and that, and that was true of the people that Peter was writing to and that's why he's writing to them. You causing all sorts of unrest. People don't know how to deal with you. So I'll give you some hints and also I'll give you some comfort. I'll give you the comfort of remembering. Yes, it might be tough now, but think about heaven. Think about the eternal perspective. Think about the fact that by the way you act might lead somebody else to also stand firm for Jesus or to actually inquire about Jesus, to actually inquire why do you believe what you believe. Each one of us will need to work out practically what we would do in particular circumstances that the Lord God has placed us in. We are all unique and our circumstances are unique. And we are the salt and light in that situation. And in all humility, we are to remember that we are God's people. And he is with us in all that we go through. I'll pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. We do pray that you'll help us to apply it to our own circumstances. We pray that it will encourage us, but that it will also provide us with comfort. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.